This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you thought this country was divided before last week, well, you may not believe what's coming next week. Of course, I have no idea what the headlines are going to read once we get to October, but it's a pretty good bet that they're going to pick at the divisions among us and make us more angry, more bitter, and more frustrated with those on the other side of our own ideas and beliefs. It's getting harder and harder to have a conversation across those divides, to really discuss politics or culture without our differences bringing us into real conflict. We want to spend the rest of the show today having a conversation about conversation, the ways we talk with one another, what we hope to gain from the idea of civil productive debate, and whether the whole idea of actually talking to people with whom we disagree is possible or workable when there is so much that divides us. Joining us now to help frame out that conversation is John Walsh. He is president of the Downtown Detroit Partnership and a former Republican state lawmaker. John, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning, Stephen. Thanks yeah. for having me on. So as we were saying before uh, before we went on air here, when we booked this segment, mm-hmm. impeachment was still kind of a thing out there in the ether. Now it's a real thing, and I can't imagine that things would be more at odds or people would be more at odds than they are right now. I mean, I think if you look at social media, if you watch cable news, uh, if you try to track this story in any way, Mm -hmm. the one thing that comes across is uh, the absolute bitterness with which uh, the two sides uh, or the many sides want to deal with each other. You are somebody who, uh, in in a long career here in the state, uh, both in government and outside of government, has really tried to reach across that divide and make an effort to get people to do the same. Uh, Talk about why that's important to you, first of all, but also talk about that work in the current climate. Uh, Is it harder? Is it even possible Mm -hmm. to do the things that you really think are integral to us solving problems? I think you know, I'll start with uh, the importance. Uh, the importance is simply there are big issues that face our, face our nation or our state, city of Detroit, our local communities that we're not talking about not enough because we get distracted with what I call theater uh, and this bitterness that's increasing. Uh, so trying to keep an eye on the ball with people that have the same desires across the country, across the state, across our city, but have different ways of getting there, that's not a bad thing, but we can never get to a real conversation because we're stuck on the theater. It is more bitter. I think uh, in the 10 years, it's almost 11 years now, since I joined the state legislature, it has worsened exponentially at the federal level. Uh, There's still plenty of good work going on in the state, in my opinion. Uh, You have smaller districts. People hold you accountable. They want you to to achieve something. People get to know each other better. But in Washington, it is is hostile uh, for a word to pick. And so... We don't have a balanced budget. We don't get to roads. We're not addressing education or mental health. Issues that if you asked any citizen, Republican, Democrat, or Independent, or some other third party, would tell you those are the important things. We can't get to them. And let's talk about the, the word civility, which I think has, has had an interesting life uh, in the last couple of years. I mean, if you go back to 10 years ago or 12 or 15 years ago, that word had one meaning, and it was just about the idea of being able to talk to somebody 
uh, without insulting them, to talk to somebody without mm-hmm. fighting with them. Today, uh, there are a lot of people who don't like that word because mm-hmm. they think it means uh, that they're supposed to to uh, to walk away from the things they believe or stand down uh, mm-hmm. on their position. I hear this from people on the left and the right that even the word civility now is a reason to have an argument. And I think that uh, it's really, you know, as somebody who cares deeply about words and their meanings, Mm -hmm. it's fascinating to me to watch uh, how it has changed. Uh, At the same time, I I completely understand, I think, the frustration that people are are expressing there, that Mm -hmm. uh, it's about a difficulty to get the other side to acknowledge even the humanity in some cases of, of your own side. I think civility has become the dirty word like compromise was only a few years ago. Right, uh, and, right. and this inability to acknowledge that you can have differences. Uh, look, democracy is a messy and loud form of government, but it's the best in my opinion. And you should be able to ex- exchange opinions and get to a bottom line eventually through compromise and civility, but, but it's, a lost, it's a lost art now. Uh, whether it's the parties or the media or individuals, it doesn't matter who. Somebody exploiting civility or compromise as a weakness is becoming pervasive. Uh, and the fact of the matter is, civility is it's a it's a human it's a human behavior. It's like compromise. You and I might talk about going out to lunch today, but I can't tell you where we're going to go. You and I are going to have to agree. Scale that all the way up to the biggest decisions that we have to make in government. Compromise is part and parcel of being a human being. But we, we ridicule it. And then we add on to that this incivility. Uh, and I think you're right. I've heard a bit and I've read a bit about people saying, well, if you're now civil, you're weak somehow. You've abandoned your position. Didn't you go to Washington to fight? Fight, 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 fight. Well, no, I went to solve problems. I'll stand for my principles. But somebody else has principles, and I have to agree eventually that there's a place where we can meet. Mine don't always rule. Mine may not always be right. If I want that kind of government, I should move to a communist nation. Hmm. Uh, you know, and, and I also think that that one of the things that frustrates people on both sides of the conversation is what they see as, uh, you know, hypocrisy on the other side. I mean, it, hmm. it's one of the things that we we point out very easily and and bitterly uh, when we're having these debates. And I and I I think in the current context. Uh, there are there are legitimate beefs about the way in which the sides conduct themselves, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you think about uh, the Republican cover for Donald Trump uh, and the things that he said, the things that he's done, the pain that he would like to inflict on people who live in this country. I think you know it's really hard as somebody who believes in equality. It's really hard as somebody who believes in uh, some notion of. Uh, social justice, uh, to see Republicans who I respect on the other side of the aisle um, uh, covering for for this president because they like his tax cuts, for instance, or because Mm -hmm. uh, they like the way he approaches the health care question. It means that to me that they're willing to sacrifice what they say they believe in uh, in order to get some sort of political expediency. And I'm sure that for Republicans, they can point out uh, any number of things on, on the left side of the aisle that, that, that say the same thing to them. But I think that's one of the things that makes it really hard for people to talk and take each other seriously. Right. I, and I think, Stephen, the one point that I would make uh, is 
sometimes we speak in absolutes. So, uh, you know, just to, you and I have been friends for a long time, but to your point, you have reached a conclusion that Donald Trump wants to inflict some level of harm. That's a conversation that you and I could have over a great deal of time. Not enough for this show. So <laughs> we don't have that opportunity always to talk about things, and we should be able to look each other in the eye and say, well, what, what is it that you mean? And then I should be able to respond. But sometimes, you know, sometimes there's opinions that are drawn, uh, and it's based on the information available to you. Sometimes it's the complexity of running a nation of our size in a world as complex as it is with information that flies around so quickly. So we get into these tweets. I hate tweeting and on, on important issues. And, and the president it's does not it a great all the way time. to make policy or make points, fr- uh, frankly. Agreed. And, and you confuse the public. Uh, and then the response is a tweet. And then it's retweeted and it's repeated. And eventually, our citizens, they start to lose the difference between Republicans and Democrats because it gets so messy. And what we're begging for is just take an honest look at the problem, explain it to me. I'm not stupid. We're not stupid. And let's get to a solution. Yeah. But we get to these absolutes that that stop us on the way. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and my guest is John Walsh. He is president of the Downtown Detroit Partnership, a former Republican state lawmaker. Uh, he served as Speaker Pro Tempore from uh, 2009, I believe, to 2013. He was the state budget director under Governor Rick Steiner. And prior to being elected to the Michigan House, he was a corporate lawyer, an executive at Schoolcraft College, and a member of the Livonia City Council. He's someone I've known a long time here in Michigan and somebody who I don't always agree with, somebody whose beliefs are really different from mine. Uh, Still, we've always been able to sit down and actually have a conversation about those differences, have a conversation about what we believe and why uh, without coming to uh, blows or dismissing each other altogether. We're talking about that idea of conversation. How do we have those kinds of conversations in the current political and social climate? Think of how bad things look on social media, how bitterly divided they are portrayed on uh, the 24-hour cable news stations. Uh, Does that make it possible even for us to have conversations about what we uh, disagree on? Or are we at a point where there's no point to that. Should we just uh, agree to disagree and not try to discuss with each other the things that uh, that divide us? Uh, we would love for you to join this conversation and give us an idea of how you talk to people with whom you disagree, whether you talk to people with whom you disagree right now, or if you have kind of retreated away from that and thought, Uh, Maybe there's a better time to have those conversations. Uh, If you are having those conversations, tell us where you're having those conversations. Tell us how you're having those conversations and tell us what the result is. Do you reach a better place? Do you reach a place where you can either find common ground and agreement or agree that you can't? but walk away without the bitterness uh, that uh, that seems to be tearing at the republic right now. Uh, as always, the number on the phones here is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, 
and we'll work you into the conversation. Um, John, you participated in a project that I was involved in at the Detroit Regional Chamber. We called it the Civility Project, which uh, I think in retrospect was maybe a branding mistake. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But really, it was a project about listening. I've always described it that way. Uh, Nolan Finley, who is the editorial page editor of the Detroit News, and I, about two years ago, went uh, to uh, to a little trailer outside the DEIA that was uh, operated by StoryCorps and had a conversation for an hour, not about what we disagree on or not about what we believe, but about why we believe what we believe, where those ideas and beliefs come from. Uh, and we've decided that this is something that uh, lots of people could do uh, with people who they see as opposites uh, from themselves. Uh, And so we came up with this idea for the Civility Project, and we asked people to do the same thing. Uh, We paired them up with people who had different beliefs and uh, and asked them to have a conversation about that. Uh, You were one of the people who who participated. Uh, Tell us us how that went for you. It went great. Uh, Monica, excuse me, Monica Rodriguez was my uh, paired uh, person from the city of Detroit. And we just talked about our backgrounds. That's where we started. Uh, and we found lots of room where we agreed on. And sometimes when you'd get to, you'd get to a conclusion, all right, we owe our children a better education, writ large, big issue. We might come to it differently, but the passion and the desire to make sure our children are educated and they have a future, we share at the same level, which is deep. So I thought it was fantastic. I would do it 100 times if he asked me to. Stephen, when you and I have spoken or if I've read your articles, Sometimes I learn. I may have a particular opinion that's based on my life and what I've learned in my life, but if I open up my ears and listen to you or I listen to Monica or we went, when I went to the event on Mackinac Island, mm-hmm. I'll learn things that will change. And guess what? I'm okay if I change. That's okay. And, and there's something about that that I also think speaks to the, to the, to the sort of current climate, right? Um, I think people are really afraid to to think maybe I am not 100% right about mm. the way I feel, right? Because people feel threatened by the other side, I think uh, there is more of a tendency to dig in and to say, look, that other side is wrong and there's nothing about what they think that I can accept if I'm going to stand up for myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, of course, is a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy, right? The Absolutely. more you think that, mm-hmm. the less likely you are to uh, to change your mind or to change anybody else's mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's really hard, I think, to break out of that, that cycle. Uh, our idea, of course, is get people to sit down and actually talk about themselves and listen. The listening mm-hmm. part is the is the part that for me is uh, is the most important. And and when I say listen, I actually mean listening, not mm-hmm. waiting to 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 jump in when the other person's done talking with uh, your answer to what they're saying, but really thinking about mm-hmm. what they're saying and trying to absorb what they believe and why they believe it. And, I agree. And not making assumptions about uh, those beliefs. Not making assumptions about who's good or bad, mm-hmm. uh, but just understanding that people come from different uh, different perspectives. Yeah, I think that, that good and bad, that right and wrong, that that space where we try to put ourselves as humans uh, based on what we know. But if you listen, uh, you really can learn. I can't possibly know everything. It's, not, it's impossible. 
and and the thought that I could or that you could or that I'm always going to be right stops the conversation uh, right away. So I really work hard at listening. I'm not always perfect, I have to admit. Sometimes you have to make difficult decisions based on what you know, but you better make it on all the information you can get, uh, whether it's in business or the nonprofit world or politics. Get as much information as possible. Yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. You've got a lot of folks who want to talk about conversation. Uh, let's start with Max in Allen Park. Max, welcome to the show. Good morning. Hey. Uh, uh, Steve, um, um, uh, uh, good morning, Steve. Uh-huh. And uh, good morning, guest. Um, you know, I think that <clears throat> all the shootings for civility is made much more difficult by the president's call for Adam Schiff to be arrested for treason this morning, just ostensibly for doing the job that he was elected to do. I mean, how do we get here? How do we get that? And how do we deal with with people who, I'm talking about the 25, maybe 30% that are still enamored of, of what's occurring like in front of them and like in front of us. I, hmm. I would think that many people Hopefully, many reasonably people are just repelled. You know. Yeah, Max, and, I, I appreciate the call and the and the comments. Um, John, I'm gonna I'm gonna put you in a little bit of a tough spot here. Um, <laughs> uh, defend this president. Uh, <laughs> you're a Republican. Um, he, he he does and says things that no president uh, before him has done or said. And if you're like Max, or if you're like me, or lots of other people. Uh, it's not just offensive what he says; uh, it's threatening. Um, mm-hmm. So much of it is threatening, and so much of it is dehumanizing. I think there's a legitimate question about how Republicans um, uh, deal with that, and and whether they should be called out for not calling out this president more more frequently, uh, and not saying this is unacceptable. Uh, because some of what he does is acceptable from an ideological standpoint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a lot in that statement, uh, <laughs> a, a ton. The um, the good news is we have elections in this country, and whether you like somebody's policy or and or conduct, you have the opportunity to address it. Uh, now we have a painfully long, what, 15 months ahead of us, mm-hmm. uh, and it's going to get ugly, but we do have that for us. Um, I don't like this kind of conduct. I don't like, I hadn't heard that quote, so uh, I'm going to assume that it's true. That's an offensive quote. It's equally offensive that we're pursuing a quote-unquote impeachment process that is not an impeachment process. They're having a hearing that isn't articulated under the laws. It's a very different process. So we have all this noise. I'm just What I'm trying to say is everyone's guilty of some level. If you're calling for somebody to be in prison for treason, that, that's really beyond the pale, and I don't mind saying that. But there's just so much noise and so much willingness to say something, we all have to stand up. And I'm going to go back to a point that I made, Stephen. Our citizens are losing faith in all elected officials, all appointed officials. It doesn't matter. Uh, so I'm really concerned. I think we have to look for candidates in both parties, uh, or outside of the parties for that matter, that not only have good policies that you can live with, but also have the conduct that we think is becoming of the office. So, so you really think that the impeachment proceedings are are offensive, given what we know about this call between the president and the president of Ukraine? No, no, no. that's not my no. point. 
Okay. My, my point is, if you're going to pursue impeachment, follow the Constitution and the laws and do it. I see. You're saying that the process that Correct. they're following right. is not... Right. Is not uh, they are entitled to pursue whatever they wish to pursue, but at least be 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 honorable of the process hmm. and hmm. pursue it accordingly. Yeah. If you really are going to go there, then I think you need to follow the rules and make it real. That's what I meant. Yeah. Okay, uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to continue this conversation about conversation with John Walsh. We'll also ask him about the budget deadline here tomorrow in Michigan. He is a former state legislator. He understands all of that uh, that, that kind of deadline negotiating. We'll also talk about the downtown Detroit partnership where he works now. And we want to continue to hear from you. How are you having difficult conversations with people with whom you disagree? Are you having those conversations? conversations and tell us how they are going. Stay with us on Detroit Today. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. And as always, thanks for tuning in. My guest is John Walsh. He's the president of the Downtown Detroit Partnership and a former Republican state lawmaker. We're talking about conversation, difficult conversations about politics and culture that we have right now because of the bitter divides we have in this country. We want to hear from you. How are you talking with people with whom you disagree? Are you talking with people with whom you disagree? And what are the outcomes of those conversations? Have you found a way to have disagreements without having conflict or bitterness? Or do you think that conflict and bitterness is just part of the process, is part of the way that we ought to relate to each other, and that that will yield some of the solutions that we may need in this country? As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll work you into the conversation. Before we get back to calls, John, I want to talk about um, uh, some of your work uh, in the Snyder administration. Uh, your role in the in putting the grand bargain together during Detroit's bankruptcy, I think, mm-hmm. is a really great example of bringing people together mm-hmm. across a divide. I mean, you talk about mm-hmm. divides. I mean, there was there was a big gap there. I know. Uh, between a number of different parties, mm-hmm. uh, all of whom were being asked to sacrifice uh, to to make sure that the city could could go forward. Uh, talk about how you were able to get people to to put put the city first uh, and and mm-hmm. to to come together around you know a compromise that that you know was not a hundred percent great for anybody. Right, and and I think that was it. Everybody understood that the problem was so big. Uh, that there wasn't going to be a single painless solution, nor should it all fall on a single group of individuals or companies or whatever, you know, bondholders. It doesn't matter. There were so many parties involved, hundreds and hundreds, and well, thousands if you include all the pensioners, mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands. It was an educational effort. Uh, and I think, um, thank God, we had a lot of really good people. Tommy Stallworth was my house partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and I already had a good relationship, and it became even better and exists to this day. Um, I don't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat outside of the city of Detroit. No one wanted to send money to the city of Detroit. It took a solid six or seven months of education across the entire state to make sure we had the votes in the legislature. In the meantime, you had a bunch of extraordinary people, Judge Rhodes, Judge Rosen, I could go on, 
uh, Kevin Orr, the mayor, all these folks were participating, the council, in a variety of ways that were expected, but even more precious, unexpected, because the issue was so complicated and so impactful on people's lives, people stood up. Um, one of my proudest moments in my entire life was on the House floor when it passed, and, it, and the legislation passed overwhelmingly. And Republicans and Democrats, even those that voted no on the bill, we all stood and clapped because we recognized all that it took to get to that point, that we even had that opportunity to vote. The same thing occurred when the bankruptcy ended. And still there's lots of good feelings. And I think we probably could do a little better in, in continuing those good feelings, but we've done pretty good with it and celebrating it uh, and trying to bring it forward as we grapple with additional problems. Uh, there's We've got a great deal of success in Detroit, a long way to go. We have to stay together to keep doing that. Hmm. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Sharon in Harrison Township. Sharon, welcome to the Good program. morning. Hi, how are you? Okay, well, you're, you're starting to change my overall opinion of politicians in general just by those last <laughs> few sentences that you said. There you go. <laughs> About working with Detroit. Um, but getting back to the uncivil civil conversations, um, I find it de- very difficult to... I'm in a conversation with someone who really wants to convince me that I'm wrong, and I listen very politely. And then when it's my turn to speak, they don't want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> and my ego says, well, no, I want you to hear what I have to say, too. Right. Um, so what I've decided to do now is restructure my conversations with these folks. And I have um, two or three people that I truly love that just we can't go there. So we restructure the conversation to talk about these social issues, environmental issues, um, you know, whatever, the issue itself, mm-hmm. and look at, you know, possible solutions um, that don't always necessarily include politicians. Oh, wow. Uh, Sharon, that is actually a really interesting uh, uh, approach, and I think it gets to, to what John was saying up front in the conversation, which is um, sometimes you got to remove politics and politicians from, from yeah. the equation and talk substantively about the issues themselves where we often find common ground, in at least in the outcomes that we want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the, the roads package that the governor proposed is, is just one of those things. Citizens will pay for infrastructure. I'm convinced from when I went door to door or when I met with them, polling will show that. Now, you can argue whether I can't remember if it was 43 or 45 cents, is mm-hmm. the right number mm-hmm. or the right mechanism. That's a, a legitimate discussion. But citizens will pay for better roads. They'll pay for better education if you can prove that the product that's going to be delivered. They want to make sure that the money is going where it's supposed to go. Precisely. And the outcome will be what they expect. Right. Yeah. The, the breakdown I'm witnessing uh, is that message doesn't always pervade a politician's thinking. Uh, if I don't get enough, I'm not going to get elected. If I don't get, if I give too much, approve too big of an increase, I'll never get reelected. Well, it's not that absolute. And the people are, in my opinion, and based on the polling I've seen, supportive of the effort. But that isn't pervading the decision-making process for some. There's a there's a disconnect. Mm. Uh, Sharon, thanks very much for the call and the the the, the pointers there. I think that's great advice for people uh, looking to have better conversations with people with whom they disagree. Uh, let's go to Helena in Dearborn. Helena, welcome to Detroit Today. Oh, hey, good morning. Hi. Yeah, I wanted to share something that I 
thought worked. Yesterday I had a potential conflicting conversation. I didn't even start the conversation. It was started by a person, an employee in a store. And so I didn't know where it was going to go, but I said yes, and I referred to George H.W. Bush's quote, country over party. And this person said, you know, God rest his soul. And I said, you know, yeah, for sure. But um, the conversation, you know, and then I reinforced, you know, it doesn't matter what your party is, in other words, you know, country has to come first. And mm -hmm. anyway, uh, the um, outcome was I realized that we were completely polar opposites. But I and I just started to back away. But I, I just feel it's a really, really great quote. And you can't, you can't, um, nobody, who can debate that? Yeah. You know, who can debate that? And then here it is, a very, you know, <laughs> esteemed person. <laughs> okay. Who's, uh, anyway, I just like yeah. I like that one. No, I like that. I like that quote too, Helene, and I think it's it's really important. Um, John, you know, that idea of country over party is something that we've heard a lot about in the last uh, couple of months and years, as the conversation has degraded. Interestingly, um, but but talk about how on the Republican side that works. So so for instance, and I'm not going to ask you to answer for other people's you know, words or deeds. But but Lindsey Graham is somebody, I think, uh, who, who makes me absolutely crazy with this kind of thing. I mean, his ability to say things now about situations that look similar to things that happened when a Democrat was in office that are the exact opposite of those things, mm -hmm. right? Uh, great example over the weekend, you know, he's talking about uh, this this impeachment hearing relying on hearsay, uh, that that you can't have an impeachment over hearsay. Well, this is a guy who led the impeachment of Bill Clinton over Linda Tripp's testimony, which was hearsay. It, it is really hard, I think, uh, to believe that people put party, don't put party first, don't put mm -hmm. ideology first. Um, and I'm sure, again, I'm sure you could come up with lots of examples on, on the liberal side of, of people doing the same thing. Um, that idea of putting ideology ideology aside, it, it's you know it's it's key to us believing in each other. Mm -hmm. But I think there are so many examples where it doesn't happen that it, it just kind of confounds people's faith in the other side. It does, uh, and it is both sides. Uh, and I don't care if it's a national office or it's the local city council or township board. Uh, it's become far too partisan. Uh, the candidates are, to some degree, uh, relying on the parties to help them win their election uh, because of the infrastructure that comes with that. Uh, and you have to make some difficult choices. Um, what I always found, at least within the Republican Party, is uh, as long as I could explain a vote, it, this was true to my citizens in Livonia that, that elected and placed me there, uh, as it was to the party, as long as I could explain my vote, I could hold my head high if I did my homework to the best of my ability and cast a vote that I could believe in. Even if things changed or didn't turn out as, exactly as I had hoped, you have to be able to stand up and tell the party that. I, I'm, I, I'm fearful that people aren't expressing that enough to their fellow party members mm -hmm. or to the leadership. Um, there's almost a um, some level of, well, I have to go along to get elected. I'm not sure that's true. Uh, now, I'd like to, I'm done with elected office, so <laughs> it's easy for me to say, go test that yeah, uh, philosophy. Right. <laughs> right. But somebody's going to need to do that, yeah. um, that I'm going to stand with my voters at the local or whatever level, yeah. and I'm going to explain myself. I'll be with you next time around, but today I'm not. Yeah.
Uh, Helena, thanks very much for the call and the insights there. Let's go to Leela in Detroit. Leela, welcome to the program. Uh, yes, thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm. Um, I hesitated in calling because I hope that my comment wasn't too um, off the mark, but I'm really excited about this conversation because it's the topic of my dissertation that I hope to be defending in the <laughs> philosophy department at Wayne State. Well, good luck um, with this that. Year. Um, <laughs> yeah, disagreement in particular. Um, so in it, I argue that disagreement is actually necessary um, for advancing our understanding of the world and knowledge, and surely... You know, our founding fathers understood that, and mm-hmm. the democracy is really, I mean, at, at its foundation, disagreement is, is um, part and parcel of a good democracy. But of course, what we're finding now is that um, instead of sort of getting to the reasons for why we hold the positions that we hold, um, we're motivated more by pragmatic or um, emotion kinds of reasons. So... Um, I really appreciate bringing the conversation back to mm. substance mm. that these scholars is talking about. Yeah. And I think that's really what we need to do. But disagreement in itself, of course, is, is wonderful yeah. and, um, and necessary. Yeah, Leela, that's a great uh, that's a great point. I'm glad you called uh, and and shared that with with us and the listeners. Um, you know, John, this idea of disagreement uh, and not and not hoping to eliminate disagreement or eliminate somebody else's point of view being different from yours, right? Uh, this mm-hmm. idea of not point scoring, for instance, uh, but uh, agreeing that, look, we just disagree on that, and I don't need to, to prove you to be wrong or evil mm-hmm. uh, to feel okay about my position. Uh, it's okay that we just uh, that we just exchange there. That is that is the hardest part of this, I think, uh, being able to, 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 have, to, to have that conversation without letting disagreement turn into conflict. Yeah, it sure is. Uh, disagreement is wonderful. And, and back to a comment I made earlier, um, democracy is loud and messy. It's mm-hmm. intended to be that way. And I think it's wonderful. And the caller that just called in, uh, good luck with that dissertation. Uh, I agree. Disagreement is part of how you grow and and reach decisions that are better for more. The Where it's gone, unfortunately, is... Stephen, you and I might have a conversation. We might disagree and we try to convince each other. At some point, we, we may stop or we'll try and find another, a third way to go because we have to get something done. But the second that I say, you're not only wrong, you're stupid and you're a jerk. Now I have shut you <laughs> off. Right. Now, now we're not talking anymore. Or you're right, right at me. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to go ten, tell 10 people. I was speaking with Walsh. Do you, can you believe the things? He, he's, this guy is crazy. Well, that's where it, it goes offline. If you can just acknowledge no one's evil because they're different they just have a different way of approaching it and there's not even anything wrong with that who's to say a hands-off government is better than a hands-on government you might believe it but who's really to say which is in the in the ages going to be better yeah right yeah um we're running out of time here and i know that we had promised we would uh, talk about the ddp just uh, quickly if you want to catch us up We've got about a minute. I'm sorry. <laughs> sure, no. Well, I can just tell you we had a great stakeholders meeting last week. Uh, several hundred people, folks, uh, several, several hundred folks came and heard about the developments going on in the city. Um, there continues to be great enthusiasm. Uh, we participated uh, along with Cranes in homecoming. Um, again, expatriates coming back and just really exciting opportunities. If I can just mention a couple of things that we have coming up, mm-hmm. Stephen. We've got our uh, tree lighting, which is a big effort last year. It attracted 50,000 people. 
Uh, that will be on November 22nd. Uh, it'll be in Campus Martius, Cadillac Square, and Beacon, Beacon Park activities mm-hmm. and all of those. And then we have our annual uh, Detroit Aglow Dinner. It's our largest fundraiser. Great way to start the holiday season on November 25th. So yeah. a couple of events coming up. Um, things are good. You know, we, we are, are, the parks are in great shape. We always welcome input. If there's ways that we can improve it, you know, please let us know. Yeah. We'll have you back also to talk a little more about uh, what's going on. That'd be great. But John Walsh, I really appreciate you being here for this conversation about conversation. Thanks for coming by. Thank you. All right. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow and we're going to talk about Dave Chappelle's controversial recent Netflix comedy special in the context of cancel culture. Also, a big thank you to WDET book club producer Elena Fruget, who is here on her last day. We are going to miss her, and so will you, with all the great content she put together for us during the WDET book club. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's NPR station, your connection to news, music, and conversation. We'll talk again tomorrow.